Good evening, welcome. My name is Matt. It's wonderful to have you here tonight. If you're watching online, it's great to have you here. Uh, I'm on the staff team and um, I'm really excited about tonight. It feels like uh, it feels like January's over, which it is, and it feels like February's here, which it is, and uh, it feels like there's a bit of a new season in the air, doesn't it? It feels like the sun's out, it's a bit warmer, the days are getting longer, and you know, it feels like spring is coming. And um, I'm really excited that tonight we are kicking off a new series, and uh, I get to speak to you tonight about something I'm really passionate about, and I'd love us to think about as a community. And tonight I'd love us to think about uh, this topic, how to build a faith that will last. How to build and grow a faith that will last. And it feels like more than ever, after the two years that we've been through, uh, with all that we've experienced, it feels like uh, as a community, we need to reset and refocus. And at the beginning of this year, uh, if you were here at the beginning of January, we started the year with this call and this message to look up at Jesus. Not look back with regret, not look forward with fear, not look inside with any sense of like despair, but to look up in faith at the person of Jesus and to look up first before we do anything. And uh, tonight and throughout the whole of this uh, term in February and March, uh, we're going to be thinking about emotionally healthy discipleship, emotionally healthy discipleship. And tonight's talk is a little bit uh, different And I'm just going to sort of give you a little overview of what to expect first. So I'm going to give a little introduction into what discipleship is, what we uh, sort of consider it to be at St. Nick's. And then I'm going to have a little, um, welcome up some two special guests and have a little interview. And then I'm going to explain a little bit about um, a passage from the Bible, from the book of Jeremiah, that I really felt drawn to as I started preparing this talk. And as we look at this whole term of emotionally healthy discipleship. So firstly, the word discipleship, it sounds like a bit of a churchy word, uh, because it is. It's the sort of word you maybe only hear in church, in fact. And did you know that the word discipleship is not found in the Bible? The word discipleship is not found in the Bible. But what is found in the Bible is the disciples, the people, the, the people that Jesus called and called to follow him. So discipleship's not mentioned, but disciples are. And if you look at the, book, the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke and John in the New Testament, Jesus calls these people, ordinary guys like you and me, out of their day jobs to follow him. And the stories in the gospel are essentially 12 people who've been selected, pulled out of their day jobs to follow Jesus, to watch what he does day and night, to listen to how he speaks to people, to see his actions and to follow and to be like him. So that's discipleship. So what do I then mean by emotionally healthy discipleship? Well, we want our faith in Jesus as followers of him, as disciples today of him, to be able to stand up to all the trials and the tests and the tough times that will inevitably come our way. We want our faith to be like a rock on which we build our lives. So my role in St. Nick's on the team is to oversee uh, what we call groups and discipleship. And we've been doing this through lockdown. We've been uh, doing online groups because that's the only thing we've had uh, to connect with each other. Sometimes when our, uh, we weren't able to go out of our houses, we've had um, online groups and, and multiple Zooms and all that sort of stuff. But now we're able again to gather in people's homes uh, throughout the week in small communities Uh, to grow together, to share life together, and to build uh, not just lasting friendships, but a lasting faith. 
So I'm going to read this passage from Jeremiah chapter 17, uh, which says this. It's going to come up on the screen. Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 7 and 8 says this. And you can read it on the screen. Blessed are those who trust in the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord. They shall be like a tree planted by water, sending out its roots by the stream. It shall not fear when heat comes, and its leaves shall stay green. In the year of drought, it is not anxious, and it does not cease to bear fruit. So I'll come back to that passage later, um, so bear that in mind. So what do I mean then uh, about, emotion, about discipleship at St. Nick's? Well, I'd love just to go through a few things, because if we look at the way in which Jesus interacted with his disciples... He essentially um, modelled to us three different things that we can take on today at St. Nick's as we think about discipleship. And the first is this. This is our first uh, sort of focus on discipleship at St. Nick's. It's this, being with Jesus, spending time with Jesus. As the disciples spent time with Jesus, as they followed him around, they, they noticed, and it's documented in the Gospels, that he took himself away to spend time on his own. They sort of spent some time with him and then it said Jesus withdrew from the crowd or Jesus left them for a moment and went somewhere else, up onto a hill or to a quiet place. So Jesus uh, was in relationship with God, his Father. And he models to us what it is to nurture a private faith, being with Jesus. Obviously Jesus was with himself, but he was with in, relation, in relationship with God, his Father. And we do that by opening the word of God and we do that by talking and listening to him in prayer. And if you are, um, if you have a smartphone, which I'm sure most of you have, if not all of you, um, there's two brilliant, brilliant apps that I'd love to recommend to you to help us do this. And we talked about these at the beginning of the year. Uh, the first is called Bible in One Year, which is just a brilliant way to have scripture uh, read to you, maybe on the, on the way to work, audio, uh, book type scripture. And and the other one is called Lectio 365, which is an amazing app where it leads you through um, a prayer and um, some topics for prayer and how to pray every day. But you might be thinking, ah, I haven't got that much time. I haven't got 20 minutes to listen to the Bible. Well, I would encourage you to take a small step in your personal discipleship. Maybe just to open the Bible and read one verse. Start small and build up. Maybe it's just uh, saying to God, Lord, I, I give you today. Would you help me in all I've got to do? One prayer that might take five seconds. And as you do that, uh, you will build a personal life of uh, devotion and in prayer. So that's the first thing, being with Jesus. The second is this, becoming like Jesus. So as we are with Jesus, we become more like him. Jesus, as I said, gathered his 12 followers. They were ordinary people who'd probably failed at school, failed definitely at synagogue school, which was the sort of the Jewish uh, Sunday school. And, and they'd, they'd been sent back to their workplaces. They'd been sent back to where they'd come from to go back and to be a fisherman or whatever. And Jesus called them and said, I think you could be like me. I think you could become a bit like me and do the things uh, that I do. And Jesus called these 12 and gathered them and traveled with them. And likewise, at St. Nick's, we gather small groups of people that together we encourage 
to become more like Jesus. We call them groups. We've heard about them already. Uh, you can sign up for groups um, still, and they're going to run. The sign-ups open through the whole of February. So if you're not in a group, that is the place where you will be, uh, become more known in St. Nick's and where you get to know Jesus even better. You'll grow in faith and uh, your friendship with others. So that's the, that's the 12 uh, about how we can inspire and encourage each other, where we can like spur each other on, share the highs and the lows of life um, with each other and grow in faith and prayer together. The second thing that we are considering at the moment about becoming like Jesus together as a community is something called mentoring. And um, we, six months ago, launched a bit of a pilot mentoring project um, in the 20s groups that we run with some of the female leaders that are running some of the 20s groups. And um, we're really excited because today we are starting to roll this out uh, wider for you guys to be involved with, um, whether you're whether it's signed up to, to have a mentor and to be mentored or to be a mentor to someone else. And maybe some of you have had that in the past and you've, you're thinking, how can I uh, receive a bit more input in my life and my faith? Well, I've got um, a special, two special guests that I'd love to welcome up uh, tonight, Flossie and Rachel. Um, these guys are going to come up and explain to us all about mentoring. So let's give them a little round of applause. Hey guys, welcome. This is Flossie and Rachel. Rachel, you've mentored Flossie over the last um, six months or so. Tell us, um, well, firstly, Flossie, how, how did you uh, get into um, this situation? And uh, yeah, tell us about your experience. Um, so I got approached by Sonia and Matt kind of asking if I was interested in mentoring um, and to have someone who was slightly ahead uh, in life, um, had done, had kind of experienced a few things that I was about to experience, uh, kind of like leading a group and I was also about to get married. So uh, it was an opportunity to kind of chat through that with someone um, and how my faith comes into that and yeah, journey with them and kind of be able to be accountable to them and talk to Rachel about that yeah. kind of stuff. And how's it been helpful to you? Um, it's just been really nice to talk to somebody who has already experienced it and can kind of reflect with me and talk about their, uh, well, Rachel can talk about her experience with me. Um, and yeah, as kind of going into marriage, I found it was really helpful because I didn't have that many friends in the same situation. Um, and it also meant that I've got to know someone in the church who is at a different life stage. So at the morning service, I've seen Rachel and her family and it, I've felt more known in the church community as well. Brilliant, thank you. And Rachel, um, how have you found um, being a mentor to Flossie and how did you get started and what, how did you know where to start in terms of what to speak about? Um, so in terms of kind of how we started, when we first met, we sort of, um, I didn't know Flossie really at all. I think I'd met you once. Um, we just chatted about what would be helpful, really. And Flossie was about to get married. Um, so we talked about whether it would be helpful to kind of do a book together or look at a bit of the Bible. But actually what we decided was um, you had loads going on. And it was actually better just to meet up and chat and get to know each other and to kind of build a relationship with each other, which is what we've done. And that's been great. And yeah, I've loved it because I think when you just meet someone that's a friend, you just kind of chit chat or you might catch up with things and it can be a bit kind of small talky sometimes but because this you're doing really intentionally I feel like it means you jump straight into talking about kind of real stuff mm. and stuff that actually like maybe you just wouldn't share with other people in the same kind of quick way that you do so I've loved that and loved getting to know Flossie properly and kind of chatting about mm. deep stuff as well. Brilliant um, and Flossie so there might be people here thinking oh yeah I think this could be for me um, what would you recommend about it for people thinking is this for me or not? Uh, go for it do it um 
like whatever stage you're at, whether you've kind of started a new job and you want to think about how you could um, kind of talk about your faith in that, whether you are dating and you want someone who's kind of a bit further along the line and you can just kind of chat a bit more intentionally about it. Um, and yeah, quite honestly about that and some things that might be more difficult to talk to your friends about. You know that this, this is someone you can really trust and they have a relationship kind of with God, but also within the church. It kind of feels like a really safe space. So yeah, do it. Amazing. And Rach, there might be people here thinking, do you know, I'd like to be a mentor and um, input in someone else's life. What would you say to them? Yeah, I'd say go for it as well. <laughs> I think that's what I'm supposed to say. But um, no, I'd, I would say go for it. And I'd say, like, don't think, like, I'm not old enough or wise enough or holy enough or anything like that. Because I think, um, I think all you really need to do is you need to like people, which hopefully most of you do. But if you need to like people and you're just building a relationship with somebody, and so that can look like whatever works for you. So actually for some people, that more like structured approach, that might be great because you might think, oh my goodness, I can't think of something to talk about with someone that frequently. But you can make it fit kind of you and your mentee. So yeah, if you even think it sounds like it might be a good idea, give it a go and see kind of what happens. Brilliant. Thank you so much for sharing your experience. Let's give these guys a little round of applause. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Brilliant. So great to hear stories uh, from the life of the church. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, speaking from my own personal experience as well, and through my student years and through my 20s, I've had a few mentors over the time. I found it so useful to grow in my faith, to share some of the struggles, uh, to be able to go to someone for prayer requests. So um, mentoring is open tonight and today, forward slash mentoring on the website. You can sign up um, and you can just sign up to find out a little bit more. If you're unsure, just say, I'm just love to find out a little bit more. Um, if you'd love to have a mentor or be a mentor, we'd love to hear from you. So head to the website, forward slash mentoring. Um, today we are sort of rolling that out wider um, to the whole church, and you will hear about it more in the future as well. Finally then, um, we've talked about being with Jesus. We've talked about becoming like Jesus. And then thirdly, it's this, doing the things that Jesus did. Discipleship is not just uh, growing our own faith and supporting each other in others' faith. It is then encouraging us to go out and share the message of Jesus to a world around us. When Jesus left his disciples, when he went back to heaven, he commissioned them. He said, go and make disciples Go to the ends of the earth and make disciples. Baptise them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And Jesus' manifesto, his kingdom manifesto, was to proclaim good news to the poor, to, uh, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, to proclaim the Lord's favour over people's lives. And his manifesto became the disciples' manifesto as they started the early church. He said, I am with you in this. This is my mission. This is now your mission. And I am with you to the end of the age. So at St. Nick's, we take on this uh, sense of commission that Jesus has given to us. We say we are, we are up for whatever God has for us as disciples, as followers of him, to pray for healing and restoration and forgiveness of sins, to bring the same message of freedom to those who are captives and a message of good news to those who are poor. And we do this in three different ways. That's the next. We do it by praying, praying for the life of the church, praying uh, for the needs of the city, and we do it in serving, also serving the life of the church and serving uh, what's going on in the tough areas of Bristol, those in need. And then we do it by giving as well, giving of our time and our resources and our energy to see God's kingdom come in Bristol. 
So this term, especially we are looking at prayer and um, as part of this discipleship time, we are, we are thinking, how can we go deeper in our prayer lives? And you've heard already about um, uh, Tuesday prayer, 7.30 in the crypt downstairs here. And we're also this term going to be having a 24-7 prayer room which is basically what it says it is. It's a prayer room praying for 24 hours a day for seven days a week. And we put a little toge- together a little uh, promo video for this, uh, which we're going to watch just for 30 seconds right now. So we're going to hand over to Betty. We want prayer to be a key part of everything we do at the Knicks. And so we are going to be launching a 24-7 prayer week. And that's going to be kicking off on the 25th of February to the 4th of March. And this is going to be a great time for the whole church to get involved. You can sign up online, our book slots to come individually into the prayer room, or you can come along to some of the events we will have going on in the evenings. And we can't wait to have all of the church family be part of this week. So sign up online on our website and we can't wait to see you there. Brilliant. So head to the website forward slash prayer. You can find out more about the prayer week. That is coming up at the end of February. So when we do all of these things, when we uh, seek to spend time with Jesus, we become like him. We're commissioned to do the things that he did. What is the result? What does our faith look like? Well, our faith, I think our faith will look more emotionally healthy. It will stand the trials and the tests of life. So let's come back then to Jeremiah, this passage that I read at the beginning. What does a mature, healthy faith look like? Let's read those words again. It says this, Blessed are those who trust in the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord. They shall be like a tree planted by water, sending out its roots by the stream. It shall not fear when heat comes, and its leaves shall stay green. In the year of drought, it is not anxious and it does not cease to bear fruit. And this passage from Jeremiah is basically in the Old Testament. Jeremiah was a prophet uh, sent by God to speak the words of God to a people, the people of Israel. And these people had spent some time um, in exile and they'd gone away from God. They'd essentially gone their own way. Jeremiah was called by God to speak quite a harsh message, if you read the whole book, to them to say, turn around, stop doing the things that you're doing, stop going your own way, stop being distracted and focus back on God, on his, on his calling for your lives. And God wants us today, 2,600 years later from when Jeremiah was speaking to the people of God, God wants us to turn away from the things that distract us, turn away from the things that might destroy us and focus on him and follow him as disciples in the 21st century. Not to be sort of flaky, but instead to be intentional, to plant us, as that passage says, like a tree with roots that reach out to the streams of living water. Now, when I was younger, um, I had this reputation that I was um, a little bit flaky. There was my surname Southcombe, and my friends gave me this um, this condition, which and the condition was uh, that you've got Southie time, which basically meant that I was 
up to sort of 30 to 45 or maybe an hour late from for everything that I was supposed to be at. So I, I had a reputation for being a bit sort of flaky and a bit late. And sometimes I, um, in fact, do you remember on Facebook, I'm not sure it's the same anymore, but with Facebook events, there used to be the sort of yes, no, and maybe option. I would basically click maybe for everything. I would sort of say, I might go to this, I might not. I might wait to see if there's a better... Uh, party to go to, so I'm, I won't say definitely yes. I might, I might go to this, it's maybe to that as well. And I basically found myself sort of over-committing in too many areas, overstretched because I was like, oh, I might do this, I might do that. And I remember chatting this through with my mentor because I sort of went to my mentor and said, you know what, I'm, I'm feeling like I don't know what to do. I'm feeling like I'm overstretched and I, and I don't know whether to go here or do this or sign up for this. And I had this sort of sense of unease within me. I was like, I don't know what it is. I just don't feel like I've got any clarity in my life. And, and he sort of spoke to me and said, well, maybe, maybe this whole Southy time thing, maybe, you know, clicking maybe to everything is, is something that you need to think about. And I remember thinking, yes, that is it, that, that I needed to let my yes be yes. And if I'm going to be somewhere, I needed to say yes. And if maybe if I couldn't be there, I needed to say no. So learning to say no for me was a really important thing, to say so let go of all those feelings of letting someone down because I sort of felt like, oh, I couldn't say no because they might be offended. I remember, I remember God speaking to me at that moment to say, let your yes be yes. And if you're going to commit to something, commit to it and do it. And essentially, this whole passage in Jeremiah is Jeremiah saying, trust in the Lord and be planted. It's an intentional act. So when we say we are going to trust God, we're saying, I want to follow your plan for my life, to seek to honour you with all that we have and glorify you in all that we do. We are like a tree, Jeremiah says, be like a tree planted by water. And if you uh, notice outside, you can't see them right now, but outside St. Nick's are these trees. St. Nick's is right by the river. And these trees were planted, I don't know how long ago, but a long time ago. They are solid, solid trees that are planted by the river, probably with roots that stretch out to the river, to stretch out towards the streams uh, that is, is right by the river here in Bristol. Secondly then, as we're planted, we put those roots, send those roots out by the stream. When we do that, that is essentially what we're doing uh, when we uh, learn how to disciple ourselves and, and encourage each other in discipleship. That we are um, encouraging each other and saying that we were going to do something about this. We're being determined not to be flaky, not to be distracted, but to be intentional. When we launched St. Nick's about three and a half years ago, we were essentially um, a church plant, continuing the whole plant analogy. We were planted uh, and sort of put down here in the centre of Bristol, a bit like uh, a pot plant landing in Bristol. We were sort of um, sent um, by, a few of us came from London, and we were given this building and refurbished this to reopen this building and to re-establish a, a worshipping community. And it felt like... Um, we were sort of having, having been placed in Bristol. We needed to then uh, think about what it looked like to become part of the city. But as, we, as you realise with pot plants, they are in a restricted pot. They are sort of restricted by what is around them. And we felt like God was saying, we need to take you out of your pot and place you into the city so you can put down roots a pot plant will only grow as much as it's limited by in its pot. But when it's taken out and planted, 
it will grow. It will put down roots. It will become established. And we felt really strongly as we've sort of re-emerging out of lockdown over the last few months, thinking now is the time to sort of really, really reach those roots out to the streams of living water in our own personal faith, as a community and as a church in the city. But I think that image of us as a community also extends to us individually as well. Maybe you are here tonight and you feel a bit like a pot plant sat here uh, not knowing where, where to put down roots, how to connect with others, maybe a bit isolated, maybe a bit uh, unsure how to connect with other people. And God is saying tonight that he wants to maybe encourage you to, to smash that pot and to, to put down roots and to be intentional with your discipleship and say, God, I want to spend some time, Jesus, being with you and becoming like you so that I can do the things that you're calling me to do. So my prayer tonight as we launch this series is that together as a community, we would be planted, we would be planted by the water and put down roots to the stream. And as that happens, uh, we see two things, two results in this passage. And if you look back at them, it says this, as they are planted, they shall not fear when the heat comes and its leaves will stay green. They shall not fear when the heat comes. And then it says this, in the second thing, it says, in the year of drought, they are not anxious and do not cease to bear fruit. And I think it's fascinating that a passage of scripture from 2,600 years ago mentions two things that today define a lot of our generation, fear and anxiety. Fear and anxiety. Things that still hold some of us back and maybe all of us at time, at, from time to time. And I'd love to just pull out these two things of heat and drought, just as we um, dwell on these things tonight. So these two things of heat and drought, what do they mean for us in our life today? Well, heat is essentially uh, what this means in, in terms of the picture in, in the, the Jeremiah passage is external effects that happen to us. The heat of the sun is something that, that we can't control. And as a, as a tree has to adapt, uh, the tree has to learn how to deal with the heat. So things that happen to us in our lives that we can't control. Maybe uh, you're at work and you've got a boss that you just don't get on with. And that feels like a real struggle. Or it's a, a relationship at work and with a colleague. And it feels like, oh, I just, I can't be settled at work. Maybe it's um, something to do with a friendship where you know something's not quite right. Or maybe there's a family situation where it feels like things are coming at you. That the heat of life and as life hots up, things externally uh, are really sort of making us struggle in our faith and in our life. And then there's the drought side of things, which feels to me like more of an internal struggle. That I just feel, if I'm honest, I feel dry sometimes. I feel like my faith has dried up. I feel like my prayer life feels like I'm, I'm trying, but I'm not really getting anywhere. Maybe I haven't opened my Bible for weeks and weeks or months and months. And it feels like there's a drought internally going on in our lives. Whether or not you feel either of those things uh, right now, we all know that there are times and seasons in, seasons in our lives where those feelings and those experiences will happen to us. And emotionally healthy discipleship helps us to prepare for those moments. It helps us to uh, survive in those moments. And it helps us to come out with our leaves still green and still bearing fruit, as that passage says. 
our commitment to follow Jesus as disciples of him gives us more joy and more love and more peace in our lives. It gives us a sense of hope and freedom and joy in tough times. But it doesn't promise us that those things will never happen. All of us will experience struggle and strain and uh, suffering. That is part of being human and, and that is still part of being Christian. Jesus says in John 16, In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And God doesn't deliberately cause pain for us. He doesn't, um, but he doesn't guarantee uh, that we won't have any pain. But he does use the experiences of life to increase our dependency on him, to cause us to long after him, to seek him in his word, to seek him in prayer. But I believe that that won't become a sort of duty. I must read the Bible, but our only option to say, God, you are all I have and I want to seek you in this hard time. God, you are all that I need and I need you uh, to, to help me thrive in this, se- in this season. There's an old French um, Jesuit priest uh, who lived in the 17th century. He's called Jean-Pierre Cassot, I think, if I, my French is right. Jean-Pierre Cassot said this about hard times in his life. It says this, All that happens to me All that happens to me becomes bread for nourishment, soap to cleanse me, fire to purify me, and a chisel to carve heavenly features upon me. I love that. It's so good. All that happens to me in life, all the good, all the bad, becomes bread for nourishment, soap to cleanse me, fire to purify me, and a chisel to carve heavenly features upon me. Just like Jeremiah says, we can trust God with our lives, that our life is in his hands. So this season, this emotionally healthy discipleship season, we're going to be looking at it on Sundays. We're going to be looking at it deeper on Tuesdays. This is a chance for us maybe to re-establish some healthy patterns in our lives. It's, it's a chance for us to maybe think, I, I want to be taken out of this pot that I'm in, that I feel restricted by, and be planted into this city, planted into this community with others, so that roots can go out and grow, so that I can become uh, stronger in my faith because of he who makes me stronger. We want to build a healthy church. And I've been really challenged by this as I sort of oversee the different groups, and, and we've had groups grow, and we've had different uh, n- numbers of groups increase. But I felt really challenged this week to say, God was saying to me, don't look at numerical growth. I want you to look at spiritual growth. Look at the spiritual growth that's going on in the life of the church. And spiritual growth starts with spiritual health because healthy things grow. Healthy things grow. So in this season, I would encourage you to say, God, I want to I follow you. I want to be a disciple again. Maybe you're here for the first time and say, I'd like to find out more. Well, this is a place where you can find out more. This is a community where we long uh, to explore those questions with you. And as we become more healthy, we will grow. We will become spiritually healthy Christians and emotionally healthy disciples. Just one final question, uh, one final, not question, one final little story uh, for you. When 
I was little, I remember probably in my teenage years going to see my grandparents. And maybe you've had this situation as well, where you see your grandparents maybe every six months or every year. And the classic sort of thing as you were growing up was your granny turning to you and saying, haven't you grown? Haven't you grown? And I remember, because I'm quite tall, and through my teenage years, I grew quite quickly. And we always used to laugh. My, me and my brother, we used to sort of say, Granny's going to say, haven't you grown to you? And then you know, she'll say it to you. And, and we was, you know, we'd go and say, hey, Granny, how are you doing? Haven't you grown? All that sort of stuff. And I'm sure you've had the same if you've, if you've sort of grown up and you're tall. Maybe you're not tall and you haven't, seen, haven't had the same thing. <laughs> Sorry. It's supposed to be a serious end to the talk. But um, what I remember about that is the sense of my granny noticing something different about me. She noticed there was something different about me. And wouldn't it be amazing if there was someone that we hadn't seen in six months' time who maybe is a friend from somewhere else or maybe it's a friend from St. Nick's in Bristol. And in six months' time, on a year's time, they bump into you and say, haven't you grown spiritually? I see amazing things in you. God is doing an amazing work in you. You've, you've stepped out and you've started to lead a group or you've started to pray in new ways and see amazing things happen. Haven't you grown? And I'd love us to be a community where, just like our grannies pointed out to us maybe, haven't you grown? That we point out growth in other people. We say, I've seen God do amazing things in you, that you have grown so much in the last year. And that is our job, that as, as we seek to do that together, as we be, become like Jesus, we, as we are with him, as we do the things that he calls us to do, to step out and love a city that is lost, that we will grow spiritually. We will become an emotionally healthy, spiritual, deep church. Amen.